Yeah. Okay. So that that's us now. Eventually. Um. Hi, everybody. Um. In case you didn't know by now, this is your podcast host, the Zenith. Um. Unless, of course, I've been taken over by some interdimensional negative alien. In case it's not me, but I think <laughs> I think it's still me. So, so we're good to go. Anyway, um, yeah, my my lovely guest here is Julie Lynn Craven. Um, Julie Lynn is a going to talk about that money and money attraction. She has uh, ten years as a financial advisor and financial educator. She is the creator of the book, Abundance Consciousness Philosophy. Thank God I spoke that correct. She has created the Fluid Money Blueprint, a method of how to attract more money, um, which has three phases, I think. She is a coach. She does numerous webinars. I've been privy to a few of them, and I will say that she must have nonstop batteries in her mouth because she, <laughs> she constantly does not come up for breath. Um, so yeah, absolutely amazing. And she's also um, the co-host of um, the YouTube channel, Channel Squared, with um, Heather Marie, and they talk about consciousness. And we're also going to talk about consciousness in, in regards to money as well. So Jodie Lynn, very, very warm welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And I come by the batteries, honestly. My dad was an auctioneer and a rodeo announcer, so... <laughs> You probably manifested them and uh, got them at a discount price. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, very, very warm welcome to the um, the show. I I wasn't too sure how I was going to kind of approach this interview. It's not something that I kind of really talk about, but the more I kind of looked into you, the more I kind of realized, you know, there's a lot that I can learn from from this person. Um, so I, I still hope that that's going to be the case. And I also hope that um, people will will listen to you and um, realize the value of what you're doing. Um, one thing I did want to say to you is that, first of all, before we, we get started, is how you actually got to, to this point in your life. Because I think like most kind of spiritual people or most people who um, are, what will we say, um, into this kind of philosophy, um, whether it's spiritual, pure spiritual, or attraction or law of attraction, as they always kind of come to it from um, a kind of rough or broken sort of background or mm. a background full of trauma or something like that, something that kind of pushes them along this way. And just listening to you, it doesn't seem to be any different. Um, I remember you said there that you you foreclosed your first home um, during the great financial crisis. And that mm. kind of inspired you to, to, to look for a new way of life and look for a way out of financial freedom. Could you just talk a bit about your history and your life and what has kind of led you up to there. Yeah. In my in my early 20s, I, I purchased a home with my then boyfriend and I didn't know anything about mortgages or anything about anything, really. Um, I don't even think we got a proper inspection on our home. And um, anyway, fast forward a couple of years. Uh, the market, housing market had crashed. There was the great financial um, crisis that we experienced around the world. And our house was worth about half of what we owed on it. And I was in this position of, I am not happy within my relationship. It was very toxic and abusive and um, just wasn't the place I wanted to be for the rest of my life. And I felt stuck. I felt locked into staying in this relationship because leaving meant torching my life financially. Um, you know, the bank's not going to give us another loan 
uh, to pay off the shortfall, you know, and it was a $150,000 shortfall. So it would be a lot to qualify for. And uh, it was just a really scary, scary time. And I remember talking to my dad and saying, I can't leave because I have this mortgage and, you know, what's going to happen. And I, you know, I'm going to have to go bankrupt and foreclose on this house and, you know, my life will be over. That's what I thought at 25. And my dad said uh, something so profound that's always stuck with me. Um, he said, you, you, if you choose to stay, then you're choosing to be happy because it was your choice to stay. Or if you choose to leave, you're choosing to be happy because it was your choice to leave. But either way, it's a choice. And then he said, it's only money. You can always make more. So I did the courageous thing and I, I left that relationship and I had to go through foreclosure of that home and, and one step above bankruptcy, which is consumer proposal here and moved in with my brother and, and his pregnant wife and uh, restarted my life at 25. But it built this hunger within me or this fire within me to understand money because I felt like no one was really there for me. The bank didn't really want to tell me what was going to happen in the foreclosure process or or bankruptcy. Like it was like pulling teeth trying to get answers about what will happen. And I thought it was my mistake because I didn't have the education that I needed. I wasn't taught, you know, how this stuff works in high school. And I never really paid attention, you know, when my parents were talking about money. So I felt like I needed the fundamentals of money. I call that the ABCs or the third dimension. So I decided, even though I had a great career at that point, I decided that I was going to start part-time in the financial industry and learn. So I, I started part-time. I eventually fell in love with it, how simple it was and easy to understand, and then fell in love with teaching other families the same information that you know they were never taught or I was, I was never taught. So I fell in love with that, left my other career, um, you know, went full-time in the financial industry, became a broker, opened my own office. I, you know, built an entire team and was doing all of these really great things. And I had mastered the fundamentals or the ABCs of money. I know how to invest it. I know how to teach other people to invest. I know how to budget, you know, proper insurance protection. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that I know everything, but I can figure out almost anything when it comes to the financial industry. But what I was noticing was that it wasn't just about money, the third dimension or that fundamental, knowing what to do with it, even setting up the plan. Because I would go and seek clients and I would free them up $1,000 a month. And this happened multiple times, like over and over again. I'd free up $1,000 a month just by rearranging some different things. You know, they're paying for 10 different kinds of insurance that do the exact same thing. And here's one that's a quarter of the cost or a tenth of the cost instead. So we would free up this money and then I would build a plan for them that was custom to what they said they wanted and what they needed. So paying off debts, putting an emergency fund in place, you know, saving for their kids' education, whatever it was. I would put everything in place. We'd even sign all of the paperwork so it was already done and automatically happening outside of their accounts. And then I would go back to do a review 12 or 24 months later to check in. Like we should be here at this exciting point where all of your debt is paid off and you have this, you know, nest egg of cash sitting there. And what I would find more often than not is that they were in the exact same position as when we first started. So I knew that there was something else going on besides the third dimension, that ABCs of money. So I started to heavily, you know, invest my time into mindset, how the brain works, how how the brain and our perceptions is creating the reality in front of us um, and a law of attraction and those kinds of things. And 
you know, after investing a lot of money in courses and coaches and books, I was frustrated because I felt like I hadn't found the entire picture. I'd found a bunch of, you know, puzzle pieces, but I felt like there was something still missing, the tangible of how to, to do all this, attract more money. So I actually went within. And I, at that point, I had started channeling um, abundance codes. And, and that's what I created with the Flowed Money Blueprint. All of that is channeled information. For me, though, my, my spiritual awakening came um, truly after that point when I had started to dive into the money mindset side of things. I hadn't picked up that energy piece until I had a catastrophic breakup. You know, I was engaged and and then a month later we were completely broken up and I was heartbroken. But it was in that moment that I started to reevaluate my entire life. I started to see that I wasn't living the life that I truly wanted. I was living a life for someone else. And I was living a life based on all these perceptions of I have to sacrifice. I have to work really hard. And then one day I'll be able to take a break and enjoy my life. And, and so that got me into the spiritual side of things, looking at energy and how our energy is, is truly calling forward money or, you know, pushing money away from us. And that's really what what inspired me to start going within is this connection to divine source, divine spark, God, um, and having all of that knowledge within. So that's kind of how I ended up here. <laughs> wow. That's, that, that's quite a story. It, it's, it seems to be from anyway, from, from anybody that I kind of know is a kind of unusual kind of awakening. Most people will, will say that their awakening has just been a purely, spiritual one you know they they certainly did not start off channeling um abundance <laughs> abundance um spirits whatever um <laughs> yeah. you know so that that's quite unusual that that's quite that's quite amazing and then to say that your spiritual awakening happened mm. after yeah um, well i think that it was happening all the way along but our society doesn't talk about this so looking back i could see that my entire life i had used i had utilized energy that I could feel other people's energy and I could I could you know in front of a, a big crowd of people I could move that energy from place to place you know bring it up or calm it down to neutral I just had this natural ability nobody taught me how to do it but I could see looking back I would use this in my financial practice to gain you know, information when I was working with clients, I could feel their pain that they were feeling with money, whether it was shame or frustration or anger, even, you know, between the two spouses, I could feel all of this. So I kind of had the inside track on what was going on, regardless of what words were said. But I didn't know that I was doing that or I had that ability till after I started on my spiritual like spiritual journey of learning what energy meant and energy centers and and all of this stuff so I, I think we all have the innate ability to use the or we all have these abilities it's just tapping into them and turning them on and and flushing it out brilliant absolutely brilliant Thank um you. What was I going to, to ask you there? Yeah, it's, it's it's very interesting. You're absolutely right. We we don't talk about this. We're not taught about this, certainly not from an early age, not from mm -hmm. the, the, the social group that we interact with, you know, and especially in that environment where it's a kind of uh, a capitalistic sort of doggy dog, purely mm -hmm. financial environment. I can't think of, well, I can't think of many, if, if, if any, um careers or um paths that seem to be 
almost at odds from the the spiritual path. So this is what mm-hmm. what, what I find very fascinating about you. Um, yeah, and I guess you're absolutely right. It, it's something that probably was innate to you. You just didn't recognize it. And um, so just, just before we kind of move on to, to something that I wanted to talk about there. So how exactly did you, was it through your study of law of attraction and, and those kind of books that kind of led you on to seek deeper, you know, what does kind of all this mean? What is the underlying, you know, thing of all this? Yeah. Um, you know, I had read lots of law of attraction books. I listened a lot to Abraham Hicks, um, mm-hmm. Esther Hicks, um, you know, Abraham and, and all of those things and was starting to implement these practices like gratitude practices, um, shifting, um, my energy, you know, when I felt negative shifting to the positive, seeing the positive and, and I was a pretty happy go lucky person. Um, but the, I guess the, the linchpin or the turning point for me was frustration that I was feeling. I still felt anxiety. I still felt overwhelmed. I felt like there was never enough. And I, I talk about this sometimes. I felt like there was this soundtrack playing in my mind. There's this country song um, that says, I run and run until life's no fun. Um, all I really want to do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and I don't know why. That's how I felt all the time. I would literally wake up in the morning and feel behind and feel anxious. Like I should have done more. I should have done this. And you know, that was playing out in my money stories as well, because, you know, everything is is relative, right? So I would end up not having enough money or just having enough money. And, and it was so frustrating. And I was doing all of the right things according to the books that I'd read. I, you know, dived into belief systems, but I still felt like there was a piece missing. So out of frustration, instead of looking out, I went within purely for me. Why does my bank account rise to the same amount? And then go back down and then back up. Why does my debt go to the exact same amount? Why do when I, you know, free up this money for people, does all of a sudden something happen? Like, what is the piece that I'm missing? And it was the energy behind money, the energy that we feel while we're spending our money, while we're paying bills, but also the energy that we're aligned with the majority of the time. So for me, I would have said that I was a happy-go-lucky person. I was always positive. I tried really hard to shift when I was in like that stinking thinking mind frame, whatever. I would literally sit in my car and I would be like, I'm so grateful that I have a heated steering wheel and I'm so grateful that my gas tank is full and I'm so grateful until I would feel better. But after I started channeling these abundance codes, I could see that it was temporary because I wasn't actually feeling my feelings. I had no awareness for it's actually quite laughable because I thought I was a very aware person. And I was to a point. I was aware of people around me, but I wasn't aware of how I felt. So I did this exercise of thinking I'm a happy person. That's my average. Therefore, that's what I should be attracting. I did an exercise on listing out my entire day. So when, you know, I wake up in the morning, what do I do? Uh, I get up and I go to the bathroom and I make coffee and I brush my teeth or, you know, whatever the sequence was on an average day. And then I went back to each line item and I checked in and asked, what's the feeling that I am feeling in those moments? For most of them, I had no idea. Like, I okay, I'll have to wait until I wake up tomorrow morning to find out how I actually feel because I've never paid attention to it. Because we live in a society where we're taught, you know, don't feel your feelings at all. And I think that's one of the mistakes in the law of attraction teachings is you can't feel your feelings. And this is just a perception because I don't think that the teachers are actually saying this, but we have this fear of, I can't feel anything but positive. And I was there. 
So I looked at my average day and I started to populate the feelings that I felt. And yes, there was joy. Yes, there was excitement. There was pops of it throughout my day. But when I collected the average feeling, there was two words, anxiety and overwhelm. That's what I felt most of the time. And I was completely unaware. And it made sense to me like stepping back. Oh, if I'm in this position of anxiety and overwhelm and the words coming out of my mouth are I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough resources. Guess what I'm telling the universe? Ship me not enough. Ship me more anxiety. So I could start to, as these pieces dropped in, I started to shift my life based on the information that I was receiving. And then it just happened. I started to talk about it with other people just because it was mind blowing information for me. You know, you can feel your feelings. You, you're supposed to feel your feelings and let them go. Don't push them down. Let them up and out. And then you can shift. Like if we think of ourselves like toddlers having a meltdown, if you've ever seen a toddler having a meltdown, you can't reason with them. You can't, you can't explain to them why they shouldn't be upset. They're just upset. They need to have that experience, be upset. And then once they've calmed down, now you can reason with them. Well, we're just the same. So learning these principles, I started to speak openly with my friends and family about what I was channeling. And they they were telling me that I should teach this. I started, you know, telling more people and then more people kept saying, you got to teach this stuff. And I didn't want to because this is so far removed from the third dimension, you know, field that I was working in being a broker, being a financial advisor. We talk about numbers, bottom line, net worth. Like this is the the total polar opposite side of the spectrum here. And, and I knew that I was really going outside of my comfort zone. So that's kind of the, the turning point for me was just learning for myself. Wow. Um, you can talk as much as I thought you would talk. Yeah. So I'm really glad. Yes. Um, yeah, that, that... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm actually very happy. Yeah. Um, you give me so many talking points there, I guess. You know, I, I've been kind of down that route too. Obviously, not quite like you. That law of attraction and reading the secret, and you know, mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff. Abraham Hicks, Esther Hicks, Bob Proctor, and all that sort of stuff. I was mm -hmm. involved um, a very short career in 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 kind of um, what I'd kind of thought was, you know, a, a new way of making yourself self sufficient. You know, um, even though everyone kept says just another multi level marketing or whatever the hell you call those things, and mm -hmm. oh no. It's you know we're here to help people we're here to help people but it, for me it just didn't feel right um and even though they kept you know bringing all these people on and you know um saying well this guy here has a ferrari and you could have this lifestyle too and look at this person here they have a, a mansion in here and you know get jump on this zoom jump on, get as many people as you can on it and sell them the lifestyle and but are we not meant to be selling them you know the products and stuff like that was, no 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 forget about that just get them on get them on it just never sat right with me you know, up until the point I think that they had, you know, Linda Proctor, and it was just kind of this name drop thing. Well, you know, if we have Linda Proctor involved on this here, then, you know, that that means it's, it's great. It just never sat right with me. And I, I guess it ultimately sort of turned me away from the the aspect of, of well, money is, is a tool. And I know kind of Bob's, I'm sure you've listened to Bob Proctor quite mm -hmm. a lot. And I know that, you know, in fairness, he does say that money is a tool. You know, it's not innately good it's not innately bad it's just simply a tool and ultimately we are spiritual beings having a, a human experience but i found that 
these are not the teachings that were um, taught or exposed through all the all of the organizations, all of the people that I was connected with. It was just this kind of money grabbing and, and, and making money off other people's backs. And that kind of turned me away from, from, from the aspect of money. So this is what I was, you know, really interested when I started researching your work and listening to your work and kind of, well, what can I learn through your work? You know, this is someone who, and, and especially when listening to your videos on, on Channel Squared with Heather Marie, it seems to be something quite different. So I was kind of interested in this kind of blend between how does this person reconcile the attraction of money with these deeply spiritual principles? And I guess my question here is, um, how do we, because there's a lot of people in the spiritual community throughout the world who will be at polar opposites of, of this idea that money is good. It's okay to have money. It's okay to have nice things mm-hmm. with having these deeply spiritual values of, um, I want to ultimately just serve people. So mm-hmm. is that something that maybe you could explain a bit? Yeah. Well, and I think it's, it's um, indicative of why my path went the way that it did, you know, learning about the the third dimension, the fundamentals of money. And, you know, now I've done a deep dive into currency, how it's created, monetary policy, fiscal policy. I won't bore you with all of the details, um, but I'll, I will give you this. You know, Bob Proctor said that it's neither good nor bad. It's It's just a tool. The way that I talk about money is that the dollar bill that you have in your country that I have in mind, you know, that piece of paper here in Canada, it's plastic. Um, but that that piece of paper, most people don't understand how currency is created or the history of currency. So to give you a little history lesson here, the dollar that we have in play today is fiat currency. What that means is that it's it's not backed by anything, not gold, not silver, not any sort of commodity. Um, it is only worth something because the government says it is and our collective belief. Now, looking back in history, um, what what we can we can derive from that is that this dollar bill is simply a representation. And looking back in history, we've seen money represented in multiple different ways. You know, way back in the Roman days, they had a tally stick, literally a stick that had marks on it telling you how much money you had. That was currency back in the day. They used to use these big limestone rocks. And, and there's a story of how, you know, one, it was on a ship and the, the ship, you know, capsized and whatever. The rock went to the bottom of the ocean and, and they're like, yeah, but the rock was there. So we'll still use it as a form of currency. Money is just a representation of an exchange, an exchange of energy. So it's your energy that produced something, you, you know, your energy with your, your brain, your hands, you know, whatever, your, your body, like oh, that whole piece, your energy created something and somebody gave you money in exchange for that thing that your lifeblood created. And then when we're paying, what we're doing is taking the money that we have now from the original exchange, our lifeblood, and now we're exchanging it for somebody else's energy, the person that made the clothes that I just bought yesterday, or, you know, the company that manufactures gasoline in in this country or, or, you know, whatever, right? It's somebody's, it took somebody's energy to create that without us, without humans, without man and woman, there's nothing that's created. 
we are a part of the creation. We are co-creators. So when you step back and you start looking at money as just simply the representation of an exchange of energy, you can start to, to see it's based on the intention of the exchange. You know, when you're going into it, you know, that company that you were mentioning, is it from a place that's pure hearted that you want to help some people? And if it is great, there's, there's going to be that beautiful exchange and people are going to feel it. And if you're just trying to get something out of it, people are going to feel that as well. I mean, we've all had, and I don't mean to beat up on car sales men or people, you know, uh, but I've walked into tons of dealerships and, and, you know, someone has walked up to me, car salesperson, and I couldn't get away from them fast enough because I knew they weren't paying attention to me. They didn't have, you know, my best interests in mind whatsoever. I, I, all that I felt was this energy of them trying to like get me, take, take from me. And that feels gross. So that brings us back to how energy is actually recreating, you know, either lots of money coming towards us or not, because it's coming from the energy of how we spend. It's coming from the energy of how we represent ourselves. It's coming from the energy of how we live our lives. And when we look at it from a spiritual perspective, you know, this gift that I have, for example, charging people money for it. Spiritual people have a hard time charging. You know, I was given this gift and, you know, how dare I charge for it? Well, I, I challenge that because when somebody has done something for you, you know, they, they, they brought you uh, lunch or, you know, they brought you something that you value within your heart, you're so appreciative, so appreciative that they did something. Like yesterday, one of my best friends, she made me lunch and I'm just so grateful. Not only did it save me money that I didn't have to buy lunch, you know, but she, she took her hands and made me a beautiful meal. I'm so grateful. We have this innate desire to give back. And yeah. money is simply a representation of that exchange. So it could have been money. It could have been Mars bars. It doesn't matter what it is. People want to give back to you. They want to be a part of that exchange when they appreciate what you do. And in this realm, you know, in this conversation, it's about the exchange of money. So it's not bad if you have the good intention, you're providing people with something. Does that make sense? Oh, yes, absolutely. It does. It, it does. As I said, it really, um, because of my experiences and obviously because of the interaction that you've had with very spiritual people and very spiritual teachers, as I said, there, there mm -hmm. does seem to be in some circles anyway, this um, this block, I guess, going on around the attraction of money. Yeah. Um, just before we move on, I, I kind of want to throw something into the into the mix here, and I don't know whether or not you'll <laughs> whether you'll have a, an opinion on it. But I, I guess in the last few years, we, we've seen a massive um, sea change, and we, we we've kind of heard these people talk about um, the the distribution of wealth, the distribution of our birthright, of um, we're worth our weight in gold. Um, this idea of I don't quite know, Jasara and Nasara. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this kind of thing. And I've heard a lot about this here that we're all going to get, you know, our worth, our weight in gold. And it hasn't quite materialized yet. And I don't know if it if it ever will, um, if it's just one of these, another kind of dead end sort of spiritual materialistic pass. Mm -hmm. um, we've all kind of been led up in the last few years. I just kind of wanted to get your opinion on that. Mm. I don't have an answer. 
uh, I can tell you my thoughts on it, um, yeah. but I don't have an answer. Um, there's a lot. I, I do believe that there is there is going to be a change in the guard in terms of currency. We're seeing that with the, the push from governments around the world wanting or desiring to create a one world currency and a digital currency. Um, I do not think that is good. That gives the government way too much control. Um, I don't think that um, humanity will allow it to go that far. But I do think that there is a change in currency, one that cannot be corrupted. Um, and the thing is, with fiat currency, it has been corrupted. You know, they're able to print as much as they want. There's nothing that backs it. In my opinion, gold has also been suppressed or corrupted. You know, I've watched tons of different documentaries on, on how, you know, drug lords in Miami will send, you know, millions of dollars in cash to to really poor countries that have these big gold mines and will exchange it for gold, bring the gold back here and then put it into the market. So um, there's there's been distortion in that way in terms of, you know, bringing not illegal gold, but gold that wasn't accounted for into the system. But there's also suppression of the amount that gold is worth. Um, I, I would be kidding myself to not believe that the government has a hand in that as well. So there's there's suppression in that or there's there's distortion in that. So I don't think that gold is going to be it either. I think it's really going to come down to the future of our currency is going to come down to us as humanity and in exchange of energy because you can't corrupt the energy. You know, me desiring desiring to give to you in this conversation, spend this time with you. That is me giving my energy to you. No one gets to decide that except for me. And you accepting it, saying, yes, we're going to have this beautiful conversation and whatever happens next, the only one that can decide that is you. So when we're bringing it down to that soul level and an energetic level, that energy exchange, building communities where people are really coming together to support one another with their energy, which is whatever they want to create or whatever they were put here to create, it is, is not corruptible in my opinion because you have smaller tight-knit communities. And it also helps the environment as well because the way that we do things on large scales is, is not the greatest. We've gone so far away. We've gone so far towards the individual in terms of like me, what can I get out of it? That's what our society has, you know, what has happened in our society and gone away from the, you know, how can I contribute to these people within a community and be a part of a smaller community and take care of one another. But we see this in crisis. Money doesn't matter when we're in, when we're in crisis, you know, the, over the last couple of years, we've printed billions, trillions of dollars, yeah, trillions of dollars around the world because there's this crisis. But, but even so, when there is um, outside of that, when there is a hurricane or something like that, people who are not the government, just people who have resources like a plane, like fuel, like, you know, whatever, right? Um, they're coming and they're bringing their resources. They're bringing their energy, their lifeblood to the picture because they want to support. They want to help people get into a better position. And, you know, they may never get paid that gas or, you know, that money that it took to insure the plane. And they don't care because they just want to help. And that's a, a divine need that we have is to, to help and support others around us. So. Yeah. We will have a change in currency. Um, I do. I do believe that because we are alive, we are. You know, we are the ones that are creating energy. That money 
the way that we have it today would not exist without us. Even when you look at gold, it needed energy, human hands, uh, you know, human brains to create the machinery to dig the gold out, to process the gold and then put it on the market. So without humanity, we don't have money. Mm -hmm. Um, so I do think that it is our birthright to have lots. And I do believe that, you know, God only gives you dreams that were, were meant for you. And it's our perception of life and perception of what has to take place that really locks us into a box and keeps us limited for what is possible in this lifetime. Brilliant. Fantastic. <clears throat> There's a couple of, um, different points that you mentioned, and I'm trying to keep them in my head so that I don't... <laughs> So that I, I talk really fast. I'm sorry. Okay, right. Keep this and do not forget. Um, I think the first one was um was just around this idea. We were talking a bit about it just before we went live about this idea of scarcity. And perhaps mm -hmm. this is where some of these beliefs come from, that money perhaps is bad. And if you know, we're constantly bombarded with these images of starving children, of poor children, of homeless people. Um, and that seems to go hand in hand with the idea that those who have a lot or those who have all these nice things are bad people. Um, and this idea of scarcity mm -hmm. that we have in the world. And if we have an abundance, then we must be contributing to the scarcity. But as we were talking mm -hmm. about, scarcity is just an illusion. Everybody can have everything. We're, we're already born with it. It's just that our society, it's just this narrative, it's this system that has been um, ever tightening over the last few thousand years so that the system is almost exclusively rigged in favor of those who want to control the narrative to say that you people belong down there with no money, no uh, good things in your life. And if you do, then you're contributing to the problem while we, you know, take care of the rest. Mm -hmm. uh, I was hoping you could maybe just elaborate on that a little bit. Oh, this is such a multifaceted <laughs> question. There's just so many different ways. Um, something I was thinking about yesterday, and I feel like it needs to be said. Um, another podcast that I was on a couple of days ago was talking about, um, you know, believing the the system is corrupted is an also another perception that keeps you limited and i sort of agree with that and and i don't i i agree wholeheartedly that the system is corrupted um we have enough money in the world the government has printed enough money if you just look at the united states government or the government of canada like individual countries you look at the amount that they've printed over the last two years and that would take care of worldwide hunger issues, you know, t 10 times over. So it's not a lack of money. It's, it's a corruption within the system. Even when we talk about environmental, you know, why do we not have better designed vehicles and engines and, and things like that and shipping procedures and, you know, whatever. You look at the biggest carbon polluters, you know, these big, big ships that are transport ships, you know, they have way more pollution than, than my little car. Um, but why haven't we had better, uh, better systems come into play? Well, we have, and a lot of them have been buried. There was, you know, in the 80s, somebody made a 
car that ran on water. <laughs> like they rejigged the engine. I don't know anything yeah. about it, but I read about it where they redid something to the engine and then it worked off of water. I don't know how they did it, but this is amazing. A car that ran on water. So cool. That's brilliant. Yep. Patent was purchased. Uh, you know, guy dies, patent purchased, and it's buried. Yeah. It no longer exists. So it's not It's not about the environment, in my opinion. It's not about saving the people of the world who are homeless and hungry. Um, I think that is a smokescreen because we've had the resources to do it over and over again. But when it comes to our individual lives, in, in the, you know, first world nations, you know, we buy into scarcity. At some point in our life, we had an experience where money was tight or money was whatever. And then we lock into that and our brain and our body are designed to keep us safe. So our brain is constantly on the hunt, watching for something that is unsafe. And our body is also designed with its mechanism that when something is perceived as unsafe up here, our body responds. And this is the fight or flight response. It's very primitive, but you see it in, in uh, like media and everything like that. We're always, you know, fear, 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 right? We're always inside of this response because it, it gets, it's a primitive response and everybody has it and you can't, you can't ignore it essentially. And most people have no idea that they're in it when it comes to their money. So they look at their bank account and this, this was me. I talk about this in my free webinar, Trying Harder Tracy. This was a version of me. I would go to log into my bank account. I would literally not have my bank account open. So I would just go to the page where you would put in the password. And all of a sudden, my brain would be like, unsafe. You don't have enough money. The scarcity mindset. My body would start to respond as if I was going to die. Like the tiger is chasing you. Run. So I would have my heart would start racing. My, you know, my throat would start closing off. I would feel pressure on my chest. My whole body was in this flight or fight response. And I hadn't even acquired any data. Like nothing had literally changed except for the screen said my bank's name. But there was no thread. It's this perceived thread. And I call this the automatic response. We get locked into an unconscious, so un we're unaware that this is happening, automatic response of the way that we think, that our belief systems, the way that we act, and our emotions. So then it leads us down this path that actually creates more scarcity in our lives. So we need to turn within and, and question that and challenge that. Do I really not have enough? Or what is the fear? Like, what is the fear, Jody Lynn, of opening your bank account? What are you so afraid of? What is the tiger that's chasing you? Oh, I might not have enough money. Okay. Well, you didn't even open it. So you don't, you don't even know if that's true. So how can you be afraid? It's like the, you know, the monster under the bed. You haven't even looked. So instead of like sitting with your head under the covers and having a fear response, freaking out, look under the bed, open your bank account. Let's make an evaluation with the proper information. So then I would go into my bank account and be like, oh, I don't have enough money. And we were talking about how people do this at the very beginning of the month. Let's say all of your bills fall on the first. So by the second or the third or whatever your next payday is after that, people get paid or whatever. If you're an entrepreneur, you get paid at multiple different intervals. So anyway, a couple of days after the first of the month, people start to panic. I don't have enough money. And they're thinking about, four weeks from now when the end of the month comes and all of their bills are due and they're thinking, I don't have enough money, but there's so much opportunity in between 
you know, the beginning of the month to the end of the month for you to create. But by you being stuck in that narrative of I don't have enough and I'll never have enough and I'm unsafe, you're just recreating a tenfold in your life because this is where your energy is at. This is what you're telling your brain. So your brain is focused on finding situations that prove you to be right, that you don't have enough. So I really had to come back to this moment. Whatever's in my bank account right now, let's say it's a thousand bucks. Hey, there's a thousand dollars in my bank account. Is that enough for what I need right now? Yeah. Like, well, what, what do I need right now? Well, I, I don't, I, water. <laughs> well, I need a glass of water. Okay. That's, that's free from my tap. Got it. Great. Now I have a glass of water. Is there anything else that I need right now, this second? No. So you have everything you need. Yeah. Okay. Do you have more than you need? Actually, yes. But when you start to challenge that belief system, you can see that you do have enough. You actually have more than you need. And then your system can calm down and you can start focusing on the positive side rather than being stuck in that scarcity loop. Brilliant. It, it feeds into that um, idea of mindset again, of people mm -hmm. constantly living either in the past or in the future, um, mm -hmm. worries, regrets, that sort of stuff instead of, because, and then they're missing the present then. They're, they're, I always kind of imagine it my own way. Well, what are you thinking right now? You know, it's like that temperature gauge. Is your thinking in the red? Is your thinking in the green? If it's in the red, why is it in the red? What do you need to do to shift that mindset, mm -hmm. to shift that thing into the green so that you're actually enjoying life right now? You're missing out on the present. You're not living presently. Mm -hmm. um, now, just before we kind of move on, I wanted to ask you, let me see if I can tie this into your two alter egos, um, which were, Tracy and Marcy and these are two different aspects of yourself that you use in your webinar to um, show people the person that you were to the person that you are and I guess mm -hmm. I want to tie that into what has been called the great shift you know the ascension and stuff like that and I'll, hopefully I make this uh, lucid and clear um, which I'm not quite known for but good <laughs> anyway but yeah um I think a lot of people in the spiritual community are expecting this new earth, this shift, this ascension consciousness, and it's just going to happen overnight. And we're just all going to be living this life and everything's just going to change overnight. Mm -hmm. And I guess I, I don't think that's the way it's going to happen. I don't think you think it's going to happen. It's unfolding step by step by step. Mm -hmm. um, and people think we're all just going to have enough. Money's going to be done away with. Everything will grow on trees money may even grow on trees we may eat it we may not need it um but it, it's this idea of that and i guess what i'm trying to get at is that as i said it's a step by step unfolding and when that unfolds step by step we also unfold step by step we we change and we upgrade and we develop and we evolve spiritually from from thing until we recognize the person that we were there to the person that we are now. Mm -hmm. So I hope there's some sort of question in that that you can <laughs> answer. Yeah. Um, I, I could talk about this for sure. I do think that there is a step by step. Like it's not. I don't think it's going to be like one day you just wake up and you're in a new earth um, and everything is different. And the reason why is, is because we have to dismantle and, and create space. So we have to dismantle the old 
um, which there's a lot there. Like all of our belief systems around money are built in this old system, even capitalism. You know, um, we, we think that we have a capitalistic, you know, society or country or whatever, but, you know, true free market capitalism is where, you know, ingenuity and creativity thrives and they have competition because it's based on who's the best, not these zombie companies that they're just so big, we don't want them to fail. So we'll just keep government, we'll just keep, you know, keeping them alive. Um, so there has to be a dismantling of those structures uh, to create the space for something new to come in. And I agree. However, um, there's the difference between riding the roller coaster and observing the roller coaster, standing on the deck and going, ha, ah, that looks fun, great, amazing, taking a step back. And, and that really goes back to what we were just saying. I will tie that into how I started to connect with myself on with money and how I started to repattern that response. And I talk about this when I teach the fluid money blueprint, that repatterning the response is in phase two, which is the cast method. So it's, you know, we celebrate, which is the first thing, because we want to notice that we're in a response and we want to wake up our brain. Uh, we want to acknowledge our feelings so that we're not just stuffing them down where when you acknowledge something, you move it through you so we can release it for good. Um, and then we want to calm the system, you know, no tantrum child. We want to calm the system down. So then you can ask, is it true? And you can reevaluate the perception that you have on that. That's exactly what I was doing with my bank account. Is it an absolute truth that I don't have enough money? How about right in this moment? So there's two things, kind of like two things that are going on with this dismantling that you could either be a part of or be the observer of. I think you can't put your head in the sand and say, nothing's happening. I'm fine. You know, that's uh, not really, you're not consciously evaluating what's going on. You're not consciously, you know, choosing in that experience. You're just kind of hiding and that's not going to do you any good. So as you watch these things unfolding, whether it's through the news or through, you know, YouTube videos or whatever, it, you know, maybe you're on your own research path and you're researching corruption. A lot of people who are, you know, deep in into rabbit holes. That's okay. Um, imagine that like the roller coaster and that you're witnessing all of these things. But remember to come back to where you actually sit, like right here in this moment. I look around me and the four walls that are around me are still intact. Hey, we live on a beautiful farm and, you know, not everyone gets to live, you know, on 120 acres of raw land. I understand that a lot of people live in the city, but how can you start to feel safe and calm and cool and collected within the four walls where you are right now within your own body so that you're watching the great show rather than participating on the roller coaster ride and going up and down as things change? So be th that observer so you're, you're not, you, you don't go down on the lows with everybody else. You're just kind of watching it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does perfectly. Um, I think so many people, as you say, they get sucked into that. They get sucked mm -hmm. into, it's okay to observe it. It's okay to become aware of it. As a matter of fact, we need to become aware. We need to understand what exactly is happening around us, what exactly is taking place in the world, how we're being manipulated, as I said, in yeah. this regard to scarcity. But 
I think so many people fall into that trap of of looking to fight fire with fire, and we need to get involved. We need to stop these people. You know, they 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 all need to die. Mm-hmm. You know, without realizing this isn't helpful. You're just contributing to the same system that that we've already been in. You know, we need to um, keep ourselves um on that kind of positive vibration we need to actually be aware that despite what the news tells us despite what our media tells us when we look at our front door we realize that you know they aren't ratting in the street you know they it isn't some sort of um episode of squid game or something yeah. hunger games or something like that yeah. you know things are pretty normal at the end of the day and mm-hmm. we need to keep ourselves in order to, to realize that how this world is going to change we need to um, have that center of love and have that center of wanting to, to change and help people in whatever way that we can. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just thought I'd throw that in there. Oh, I um, love that. I think that's really important too because there is a lot of people feeling whether it's fear from other people and then they're taking it on because they're, you know, we're all energetic beings, vibrational beings. So we can feel other people. And sometimes we try and take on their own energy. And sometimes people are just scared. They're just scared of what might happen. There's a lot of uncertainty. So I would say to those people who are afraid right now and don't seem to be able to get out of that response is take a breath and ask yourself, what would make you feel safe? You know, is it more food in your freezer? Is it, you know, $5,000 in cash or whatever it is. And a lot of people will say, I can't do that. What can you do? You are the creator. You are in control in this present moment. Don't give away your control to someone else or to the you know belief system that I can't, there's, there's no way out. No, you have the ability to create that safety for yourself. So what within what you can do, what would make you feel safe and start you know, stepping towards that. Maybe you get an extra freezer or, you know, you put a few extra cans every time you go to the grocery store in your cart or, you know, maybe you pick up some seeds because you're going to start a garden or what will make you feel safe? Let's start there. Brilliant. Um, yeah, absolutely right. Um, I think that we we constantly do that or kind of what I was touching on there and you kind of elaborated on is that we we give away our power, don't we? We give away our power. We don't realize the, the power that we have. We we are divine, yeah. you know, and we can change so much even through our thoughts. And when we latch on to these other people um, or when we have this savior complex, we're looking for someone else to come in um, and, and, and change the world. We've heard that the past number of years, this person's going to come in and do this, this person. We're giving away our power. We're giving, we're ceding responsibility for doing anything in the world. We're waiting around for someone else to come in and change it. And as you say, it doesn't have to be anything life-changing. It can be simply going to the supermarket and buying a number of seeds. Even that there is changing things. A simple act like that there is simply changing things by becoming more independent, more aware of what you can do. It doesn't have to be, look at me, I'm up here and I'm addressing a a crowd of millions or I have this following or whatever else. Just realize that you have the power to to change your own life, you know, um, instead of giving it off to someone else. 100%. And that that power, you um, coming into your own power, you claiming it, taking responsibility for it. And then those actions creates a ripple effect because you are empowered. You are like empowerment, the energy of empowerment, the energy of, you know, faith, 
love, all of these powerful emotions is coming through you and will ripple out into the world and create create that ripple, that change that we want to see in the world. So it all starts with with you, with us. <laughs> with us, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. So talk about um this book. I, I actually wasn't aware that that was that, that was in a book, a bungeousness a, a abundance bungeous consciousness philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I almost got it out. Yeah, tell us a bit about that then. Yeah. Right. How did that come about? I uh, that completely channeled. I I um I started to see that that different people saw the world differently. And it, it's quite interesting because it, I take some of the information that I learned back then and uh like back in you know, when I was a teenager, when I was a teenager, my dad taught me um, about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the triangle, right? You need this need met, then this need met, and then and then the higher level needs like philosophical principles, saving the world, whatever come after that. But if you don't have a roof over your head, you can't think about, you know, the rest of the world. Um, but he never told me that Maslow created that. He just told me about the principles. So then, you know, later on in life, taking a psychology class in college, I'm like, my dad invented that. Who, what are you talking about this Maslow, dude? Um, so I knew, I grew up with the, the, the story of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I remember that. And my dad referenced that a lot in, you know, just our conversations that we would have growing up. And then um, I started to channel these these principles that people see their world differently depending on what phase or energy that they're in. So that's where it started. So I started to look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And then I also started to look at spiral dynamics, which the, the crew who created spiral dynamics, they sought out to prove Maslow correct. And then they built upon his, uh, his philosophy and they thought it was more of a spiral rather than an actual pyramid. And, and they said with in their books that that somebody who is on this different plane over here can't understand somebody that's down here and they used um political terms you know like liberal versus conservative or or things like that on why they couldn't get along and it's because they were seeing the world completely different because they were in a different space a different frequency um, so I just leaned into it and all of the words kind of came through that there was nine different phases of consciousness that we go through. And when I say consciousness, I mean, we're like peeling back the layers of the way that we see our world. And I related it all towards money because that that's my gift. That's why I'm here. My purpose is to, to help people detach from the way that, that they used to do money so that they can receive more, have a better relationship and actually enjoy this life <laughs> that they have here. Um, so I started to see that that there was these different phases. The, the bottom phase is completely unaware. You have no idea. And I, I remember going through this phase of, you know, being very young and not aware of anything when it came to money. I would just spend and whatever, like where my money goes, I don't, I, I don't know, right? We can think of college kids or, you know, high school kids or whatever, uh, really unaware of money most of the time. Um, so as we grow up through life, we start to phase through or move through these phases of consciousness because we're learning because of our society and how we're growing up. So where you actually land within the, this, uh, nine phase spiral really depends on where you grew up, like who you're, who you're around more often because they will influence, influence you. doesn't mean you're stuck there though. Um, so the last, the bottom phase is unaware. And then the next phase up is safety, which 
when you're in this phase, everything is unsafe and everything is always someone else's problem. You know, this person did this to me and this person did this to me. And because of this, I can't have this. And we see a lot of people in our world like this, but they're stuck inside of this perception because they're in this phase. They can't see a world where that's not true. And the way that we move, and I talk about this in my book, the way that we move from phase to phase is different. So from safety, we go to tribe. And when we're moving to tribe, what gets us there is taking radical responsibility. So I could see how I moved through this phase early on in my life when I started to take personal development courses in my early 20s. And they talked about that, taking personal responsibility. But I, I we were talking about this before the show went live. You know, I would utilize this as a beating stick. Jody, you didn't do this right. You didn't do this right. You're such a mess up. And, you know, it was like whack, 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 whack. That's what tribe is all about. And really, then we move to the next phase, which is centered self, where we start looking more to inwards rather than outwards for the answers. And we start to see how, we, how we've created this and how we have control. And then we start asking ourselves really what we want rather than asking someone else what we should be doing to have what they think we want. <laughs> essentially. Um, and then we move uh, move to the next phase um, where we're really hyper aware of our our belief systems and and we're able to to really control outcomes. So we're, we're having this new awareness of how the world actually works on every step. And then the higher the highest level of this spiral is oneness. So realizing that we're really connected to every single thing, all the plants, all the animals, all everything. There is a divine connection and, and perhaps we are just, uh, you know, a divine spark of God having multiple experiences all in the exact same timeline. We're all one. Um, but it's getting to that point. I'm not, I'm not even there yet. So that's hard to wrap my mind around this oneness <laughs> philosophy, but I've definitely gone through the, the bottom layers and I'm at a sense of, of more peace. Um, I'm, I sit at the level of wholeness where there is nothing wrong with you. That's, there is nothing wrong with me, even when I make mistakes or I fall into old traps or patterns. Um, it was all meant to be. It's all leading towards something and that you are perfect in, in the way that you show up right now. Um, and it's it's exactly where you're supposed to be. Brilliant. I couldn't have said it better myself because I really could not have said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot in there. It's so interesting yeah. that it's a very sacred information. Like I said, it was all channeled. Those aren't my words. The people who who read it don't really believe that I wrote it because um, I don't talk. I don't talk that way. I talk more that way now because I've been doing this channeling yeah. the same guide team for the last couple of years very fluently. I can trans channel them. They often that often happens um, with me. I have more control now, um, so that the, that doesn't happen. But uh, there's more fluidity within my conversation with them. So they use a different language when I channel with them, so that I know that it's not my brain making it up because yeah. they use this higher level of language and it's more precise and fancier. Um, <laughs> so when someone reads that book, it's, I think it's 28 pages and it's 28 pages of dense, higher level consciousness information that I channeled. Um, wow. And then 
I took those principles and built the fluid money blueprint to help people move through those cycles. I don't actually talk about the book a lot. It's it's within the inner workings of the three phases. It automatically moves you up because the first phase is having a framework to get to the root belief systems that are holding you back. So a roadmap on how to figure out your own brain, why you keep doing the same things so that you have that empowerment piece. You're taking responsibility for it. The next phase is really rewiring your brain and calming that nervous system response. And, and then the last phase is teeing up your life. What kind of life do you want to lead that is in alignment with your greatest desire so you become a magnetic to, to money, to abundance? I always call it abundance rather than money because abundance is more than a number. It's yeah. money, it's joy, it's resources, it's support, it's all of the things. It's just simply more. And that's actually the title of the course is more. Um, so that's kind of the three phases and how I put that book into those three phases as well. That, that, that's so interesting because that's exactly what I wanted to talk about next, the, the fluid money blueprint, yeah. you know, and this way to, to attract more money. But yeah, you're absolutely right about this idea of abundance. And I guess a lot of people just think that it's just money related, but I guess we see so many people who are millionaires and things like that in society. And we realize without that higher understanding of what abundance really is, they're still not satisfied. They're still not happy. They've got what they thought they wanted. And once they have mm -hmm. it, they realize I'm not fulfilled. I'm still not happy. And I think, um, I've no idea. I think I read it somewhere that there is quite a sort of a, a relatively high percentage of maybe suicide or addiction or abuse within people who have all that because it, I guess it feeds into paranoia and greed and fear and, you know, doubt and all this sort of stuff because it's ultimately not what we are searching for. Yes, we want a better life. We want the freedom to, to move, to travel, to visit, to, to have nice things. You know, we want to not have to worry about where our next paycheck is coming from our next meal so that's only part of it but we're ultimately looking for a higher experience and these are just kind of physical things that we need to to make our journey more um more easier while we're here but i also love that idea that you've you've quite clearly said that these are not my words these are my channel words because um i i understand that too and i'm always a pains to say what you know like whatever i write or what I write is different from what I write as an individual and what yes. I'm inspired to write. So I'm always a pain to turn around and say, like, this is not my writing. And I can quite easily identify that when you start getting that, yeah. oh, right, okay, here's an idea in my brain. These are these are words that I need to write down. They're not my words. And you're right, It's I don't talk as nice as that. I don't write as beautifully as that. I recognize yep. that I'm being given this, these concepts and mm -hmm. these ideas. So I really do like that. And really do think it's very important for for people to, to understand that this is not me doing this this is a, a higher state of consciousness that i'm accessing or is being given into me and mm -hmm. um, could you talk a little bit more about the, the fluid money blueprint and what it is that you offer people you know for people who are, are kind of interested in this and yeah. Are, yeah maybe maybe that's something that i need to do maybe that's something that i need to take advantage of Absolutely. Um, I want to touch on something that you were saying as well, um, because you were talking about, you know, suicide rate and people who are very successful. And the interesting paradigm that we have within our society is that there is a, you know, let's say 99% of the population, because, you know, let's localize 1% of the giant wealth to 1% to of the population. 99% of the population has this belief system that when I have more money, 
I will have more control. I will have more freedom. I will feel safer. Um, and the reasons why I'll have more, yeah, more freedom, more safety, all of these things. And the reasons why I want those things or you would want those things is because that would make me feel free. That would make me feel joyful. That would make me feel excited, blissful, you know, whatever, right? So it's this, you can see this linear line that we've created. Once I get money, then I will be happy is really what it lands on. But then what I ask my students to do is to test that as an absolute truth. Is it absolute that every single person has the same standard? So um, when I have more money, I will be happy. Isn't it an absolute? If you look at all the people who have a lot of money in the world, are they all happy? No. Are they all free? Do they all feel free? No. Do they all feel safe? I always go back to, you know, the monarchy because this one's an easy one, right? A lot of wealth there. Um, they have like bodyguards and, you know, whatever. Right? I used to be like such a fan of Princess Diana when I was a kid. Um, but, you know, she wasn't even safe from like paparazzi. And I, I understand now that she was out of the monarchy at that point. But still, lots of money, no safety. So therefore it is not an absolute. What's interesting that you've brought to this conversation is the opposite side of the paradigm. Uh, you know, 99% of people are thinking when I have money, then I will be happy. And then the people who got there are like, I have the money. I should be happy. There must be something wrong with me. I'm not doing it right. I'm still depressed, da, 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 which all leads back to the fact that it's not the money. It's the person. And you can ask the absolute question on the other side as well. Is every single person who has no money is poor or is average income or whatever? Is every single one of them miserable, the opposite of happy? No. Look at somebody like Mother Teresa. She had no money. She was very poor. Um, you know, the poor dance in the street, right? Like there is happiness that you can see. So it's not an absolute, which means it's a perception that is created by our own mind. And when we believe something, our brain, again, goes to find the facts to prove you right in your world. And that's where the fluid money blueprint comes in. For me, I needed the step by step. You know, the steps that people weren't teaching you, just, just be happy or just, just be positive. Well, like, yeah, how, how would you be positive? How are you supposed to be positive when you feel like your life is falling apart, where you feel like there's not enough money or you feel like, you know, you're chasing something and you can't stop chasing it. Like how give me the analytical ABCs. That's what I want. And that's what the fluid money blueprint is. So we start with phase one, which is unlock abundance blocks. Some things have changed since you watched the webinar. So unlock abundance blocks. I give my students in this phase a roadmap to figure out what the root belief system is. When we start looking at money beliefs, we always look on the surface because that's what we've been taught. Money is good or money is bad. That's a belief that people work on or I have to work hard for my money. Um, you know, it doesn't grow on trees. And people will often think that they have shifted these belief systems. Well, I know that it's possible for money, you know, to come out of various places. Um, but what's happening is we're working on, or these individuals are working on, and myself included, I've done this before. This was the trying harder, Tracy, working on the top of this dam. I want you to imagine a giant brick wall. On the other side of the dam is all the water. That's abundance. So that's more of everything, love, joy, resources, all of that stuff, right? And we're standing on the other side where there is none. And we're like, come on, 
I just need to get rid of this wall. This is the only thing stopping me is this brick wall. So we climbed to the top of the wall because that's what we've been taught is to look at these beliefs around money. And then we start with one brick and we take a fork or whatever, whatever your tool is. And we start like chipping away at the mortar. And it's really difficult because our money beliefs, the perceptions that we have around money, typically the root of it has nothing to do with money. So we might get that one brick off, but we're still at the top of that, you know, that wall. So nothing has changed. So then we get another top brick off and then another top brick off. And now we have the first layer of the wall done. And we still look on the other side. There's lots of water there, but it's 10 feet down. So we've got to go 10 feet of bricks. I'm not doing that. This doesn't work. I quit. And we just stop because we're frustrated because nothing is changing. So inside of the Fluid Money Blueprint, in the first phase, I have channeled questions um, that help people get to the actual root belief because we connect it to meaning. We connect it to being good or bad at a soul level. So how to ask ourselves these questions to really determine what the root belief is, what's wrong, and kind of a roadmap on how to get down there. Now, when we do that in, in phase one, that gives somebody the power within their own hands to figure anything out because it's always us that's blocking us, always us. So if you had the cheat sheet to figure out what was blocking you, you would feel empowered. You'd feel like you have this new sense of control and you'd have this new sense of hope. So that's what happens after phase one is they have a framework inside of here to get to the root belief systems. And what happens with this wall is because we're working on the root belief system and working on shifting those perspectives, we start poking holes in the wall and somebody starts to experience more abundance coming through these holes within the wall of this dam. So then the second phase is dismantle negative money perspectives. So we were already talking about these automatic responses. We have an automatic response. There's a trigger and then an automatic response. So what I teach in the second phase of the fluid money blueprint is how to stop the automatic response and consciously choose something else that is going to 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 help somebody long term. It's not just a surface shift. We were talking about just focusing on the positive, how that's temporary. The reason it's temporary is because our body becomes like a blender where if we make a blender full of like a smoothie, you know, we put all the great fruits inside of there and it looks amazing. We do that day one. And then we decide, oh, I'm just going to give this quick rinse on day two. You don't actually clean it. Uh, you decide just a quick rinse and then I'm going to throw more stuff in there. Maybe day two, it still tastes okay. But by day five, you have so much gunk on the sides because you haven't cleaned it out. This is what's happening within our own body when we try and stuff those emotions down is that our body is still sending the signal of frustrated and angry and you know upset and, and all of the things that we were because instead of letting it out and acknowledging it, we've just pushed it all down. So in phase two, we want to teach our body or your body to be your early warning system. So how do we get the brain, the subconscious, the superconscious, the brain, um, the body involved so that instead of you going down this scarcity spiral every single time and all of a sudden you, you know, you're smashing the keys on your keyboard or whatever it is, wherever you land, instead of landing there every single time, your body, your brain, everything is like, hey, stop, we're going into a response. 
and you know. So then you're able to walk back this response over time and choose another path that actually serves you. And, you know, I, I kind of gave you my, I, what, how I repatterned that response for me when it came to working, doing more, forcing myself. That was my path. I just need to do more. Right. So I walked back that pattern with this system, which I call cast and created a new line within my brain. What was fascinating doing this on myself is that I had practiced this so many times. That was my automatic response for so long that when that, you know, path was no longer available. Imagine a brick wall there. Can't go down that path. I remember doing something. And then I remember thinking I should feel like some sort of anxiety or fear because that I that was normal for me, right? To be in this anxious response, this fight or flight response. And I remember like feeling like there was a brick wall there that I couldn't even go down that path of, you know, feeling bad or scared or, you know, trying to just force more things to happen and operating out of fear. I couldn't do it because this new path that I had con consciously chosen so many times had taken over and had become my new automatic response. Um, so that's what phase two is about, is really reprogramming your brain and your body, understanding the path that you go down, teaching your body to be that early warning system for yourself so you can consciously choose something. Because when we're consciously a part of the equation, when we're in that present moment, we have power. And it's all about our energy, what we're bringing to the situation so we can change things quickly. So then phase three is abundance on autopilot. Abundance on, on autopilot. Now in phase two, you completely dismantled the wall. So money, abundance is flowing in. As humans, we get afraid. What if this stops? <laughs> well, I don't know how to control this. I don't know how I did this. I don't know how to call more. And if you want more money, because there's always another phase of abundance that we have available. This is an unlimited universe that we live in. So there's always more available. So when we get to a point where we want more, we automatically go back to old patterns on how we got it. I call that old boat, new boat. You know, all of the ways that we got there versus all of the new potential, you know, putting your energy first, you know, handing off things that you actually don't like to do to someone else so that you only work a quarter of the time or a part part time. All of that is the new boat stuff, which we need to learn to shift to. So in phase three, we are redesigning your life so that you are a magnet Regardless of what you do, your entire life is calling in abundance on autopilot, regardless of what you do. And that's the three phases. So at the end, you are super conscious of, you are completely conscious of the way that you live your life and you have a framework to fall back on. So when you get to the next level or, you know, things change in your life because we're we're beings who are changing all the time. You know, we were talking about the outer world changing, but we're changing. Our life changes. You get married, you know, maybe you get divorced, you maybe have kids, maybe your kids grow up and they leave the nest. These are all different phases of our life that impact us differently. And we're, we're fluid individuals. So now you have the framework to go back and see if there's any belief systems that you need to remove and shift so that you can keep redesigning your life with you in mind to have the life that you always wanted and you're continuously supported by money to do it. Wow. Yeah. We are constantly evolving. Um, we're never, we're never the finished article. Um, 
but we should always be aware of that that we we can always grow we can always thrive more than what we're currently doing um i guess just listening to you is that um the analogy that came to me there was you're just this kind of long distance swimmer because you just go on and on and I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> Not for her. <laughs> As he said, it's it's brilliant. I, I just I really do admire your energy. It's fantastic. And your 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 um just just your just your passion for it really does come through. It it really is fantastic. And obviously your desire to help people out of this idea of scarcity. So it just really is to to, to be absolutely applauded. I just wanted to say that to you. Thank you. Um just um just to kind of wrap up here because I'm I'm sure that you'll need your batteries recharged at some stage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little about this, about this other work that you do as well. You you have a, a YouTube um account, a YouTube um channel, sorry, I should say, which is yeah. called Channel Squared with um your good friend Heather Marie, and you talk about consciousness and all different things from from what I've um uh, listened to so far of it. Tell us a little about about that, how that came about, and you know how how you kind of do that on top of your other work. Ah, it, I, you know, I don't do anything for money anymore. That's how much I've shifted. I do things for joy. What is the highest joy? Cause I know that will bring me the most abundance every time. Highest joy things I buy highest joy. I don't buy something unless I enjoy it. Like I'm excited about it. I don't do something unless I'm excited about it or caveat the things that I have to do like the dishes or something, not that I have to do them because my husband would, but the things that we perceive we have to do, I have shifted those things so much that they're neutral or they've become enjoyable because of the way that I think about them today versus where I was before. Um, I love talking. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> Um, so I come by it honestly, right? You know, my dad was an announcer and, and I just love talking to people. I love having these conversations and, and Heather and I, um, we, we just have, uh, this great banter back and forth and we thought, Hey, why not do a YouTube channel, um, to not only get exposure for our individual businesses, but really just give people tools to, to utilize with, within their own ascension process as they're moving through things. You know, we have a unique perspective on the world where we sit. We have unique access because we're channels. Heather, you know, is trans, a trans channeler. And then, you know, I can trans channel, but I choose not to. I'm a conscious channeler. So we have this access to divine guidance where we can, you know, ask any question. Like, this is like the magic eight ball on crack, you know, <laughs> like this is any question you've ever had. Here we go. Ask. And and people want to, want that so much. We have people, you know, dropping into our lives like, hey, I really want to know this. And what's your thoughts on that? And, and whatever. So this was just a platform to to assist people to help them ascend through that process, give them a different way to think of it, give it, give them tools and really start to create this community where it's okay. For me, Heather, Heather and I have only been friends for like the last three years, um, but we've become best friends. And I remember this this time in my life where I, you know, I was channeling and I was receiving information and, you know, I was getting all these abundance codes and they're amazing and I'm using them and I'm talking about them behind closed doors because it's really weird to be a channel. And, mm -hmm. Hey dad, I, you know, I talked to the other side in terms of angels and master guides and 
Oh boy, that's going to be an interesting conversation, right? <laughs> I didn't have anybody in my life who was who was into that stuff outside of the coaches that I was hiring to support me along my way. And then I went to a session with Heather and she did a big group trance channeling. And I was like, I need you in my life because she, she walked into the room. It wasn't a live event. It was on zoom, but I remember her appearing on camera and she talked for a few minutes before she, she trans channeled. And I thought that is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. But what stuck out to me about Heather was her confidence. She unapologetically stepped into her gifts and stood there and it was powerful and it was mesmerizing and you could see the light pouring out of her. And I thought, I want to be friends with her because I want her to teach me how to come out of the spiritual closet in that way and to shine. Because at that point, I was still afraid to tell people I was a channeler. I was afraid to, you know, speak about it openly or as openly as I do right now. So, you know, I had a couple of sessions with her. I hired her as a coach and then we became, you know, best friends. And then, you know, Channel Squared was just a brainchild of that. Other people are looking for somebody to, sh to stand in their own light. And when we do that, when we stand in our own power and our own ability to create, it inspires and creates this ripple effect. So that's Brilliant. what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, it, it is fantastic. And I've really enjoyed what I've what I've listened to so far. Mm -hmm. And you're right, because um if we don't um if, if we don't have that, I wouldn't say self-confidence, but when we don't have that bravery, I guess, you know, that go, well, I'm going to do it anyway, um, regardless of the consequences, then we're never going to get anywhere. You know, like Heather, like you, I'm a channeler. Um, I'm, I'm learning trance and trance channeling. And I, I done my kind of experiment there for, for YouTube. I kind of done it. I didn't do it live. But I says, look, if this kind of works, then I'll release it on YouTube. And if it doesn't, don't worry, because you're never going to see it the light yeah. of day. Yeah. You know, but it was it was okay, you know, for what it was. It was the very first time where I've taken the concepts that are given to me in my mind, which I normally write and try to vocalize them in front of a microphone on a camera. And it was quite sort of scary. Is this going to work or is it not going to work? But it was going well, like it's an experiment and we should give ourselves the opportunity to feel. It's it's that old um adage, you know, if we if we, well, it's not actually that, but it, it's this kind of idea. Like we, we have to allow ourselves the, the potential to feel because even within failure, we're still learning something. If we, if, if we don't even attempt it, we're not going to learn anything. Yeah. So I put my experiment out there and I'm like, well, okay, it seems to be received well enough as, as long as people understand it's an experiment. It's not the finished article. Mm -hmm. I'm still learning. I'm still developing. So I think it, it's just really inspiring what what you're saying there. What you're 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 doing is that we, Thank you. you know, we have to we have to give people the opportunity to say, well, look, here's where I am. Here's where I am in my journey. I'm still learning, but here's what I've learned so far. And if it helps you along your journey, I think so many people, even within this industry, like to put on this polished veneer, don't they? And pretend that oh, look, everything's flowing for me. Everything's successful. Everything's not. Whereas just kind of saying to everybody, look, here's where I am. You know, I'm not the finished article. I still have things that I have to learn, still things that still go wrong in my life. But, you know, I'm here to show you that I'm just an ordinary person like you. And I'm prone yeah. to the hiccups, to the things going wrong. And 
but at least I'm doing it. I'm doing it in front of a public audience. Then it inspires people more than just simply pretending I'm this uh, guru who is transported in from some sort of Himalayan monastery and nothing can faze me at all. Right? Mm -hmm. I'm so perfect. Nothing bothers me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you're it's, human. You're exactly you're human. Yeah. Exactly. We don't live in those, although we may ac have access to those higher states of consciousness, we may have experiences, we may be able to channel. But we're not constantly in that state. We're here to have a human life and to let other people know, look, I'm human too, you know, but it's what yeah. is achievable. You know, I think that's the most important thing. So, yeah, more part of you and people like Heather Marie, and I really do hope more people tune in to, yeah. to honestly, to to your separate work and to to your joint work. You. Um, so I guess uh, for people who have been listening to this and are interested in what you do, how can people learn to be um, less of a timid Tracy or a timid Trevor and more of a magnetic Marcy or a magnetic Mark? Where can people go to find you? Uh, amazing. Well, I do have the free training that we were talking about earlier that goes through three mistakes that entrepreneurs um three mistakes that entrepreneurs often make with money um, that actually blocks them instead of helps them receive. And one of those things is the do more philosophy. Um, and then after that, I talk about the fluid money blueprint and how you can get access to that through my course more. Um, so definitely check out that free training. If somebody's got questions, you know, jump onto Instagram. Um, Instagram, my handle is just Jody Lynn Craven. And, um, you know, you can jump message me and I will, uh, I will message you back. I will respond me actually responding to you, not some <laughs> bot or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. and you can check out my website too, which is just jodylynnecraven.com. So there's a couple different ways that you can, you can get to me. Brilliant. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. It's been a real pleasure speaking to you, Jodylynn. You. You're such a bubbly, uplifting character. And I, I've learned mm -hmm. a lot personally. I hope that more people who watch this and listen to this when it fancy uh, does go out learn learn a lot from you just before we leave is there one key philosophy because i make out of all those different points that you've given there's so so many but is there maybe just one key philosophy one key point that you could sort of sum up and just say right go and do it right now Ooh, one key <laughs> philosophy mm. Okay, so it's gonna be like a two-parter because I just okay. talk too much. Uh, the two parts. The 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 first part is that you are like understanding that you are are unconsciously or consciously, but you are creating your reality, which should give those who are listening right now the feeling of empowerment. You know, if I created it, then I could create something completely different. And the philosophy that I would hope more people would adopt is to challenge everything they're thinking. You know, we get stuck in these perceptions of how life is or how it's been in the past and many other billions of possibilities outside of that linear thinking exist, but you won't be able to see them until you ask the initial question of, is that the only way that it has to be? And even a further back question from that is, what do I think it is? What do I believe in this scenario? We often use, you know, explanations or definitions 
but we've never even looked up the definition before. We have no idea what the word is that we're using. We just use it because we think it fits there, but we don't even align with the definition or the word we're using or the old belief system that brought that in. So you got to start questioning and challenging the way you think it has to be. It has to be hard for me to receive money. If it's not hard, I'm not worthy. These are all perceptions and they are creating your own reality. But when you start to challenge them, you see there's room for other possibilities inside of this realm, which will help you create the reality that you truly want instead. Wow. Yeah. That that that's been amazing, Jodilyn. Thank you so so much mm -hmm. for, for coming on. As I said, I've learned a lot. I've really enjoyed listening to you. Um, you. enjoyed listening to you more than talking. So you're such a bubbly you. character with so much to offer, um, <laughs> and so much amazing abilities. Um, and you, as I said, you seem to have something very different. You marry this idea that a lot of people at one end of the spectrum are just all about money, money, money with, with the very spiritual aspect of it. And I think that's so important about bringing these two worlds together, where we're currently at and where we're currently going. So yeah, yeah just keep on doing what you're doing and Thank you. inspiring people. Thank you. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate it because that's why I'm here as I know that people could have such a different life if they started challenging those things. And I believe humanity the the people that are on this planet the souls that are here were meant to have this beautiful abundant blissful magical experience and i hope to inspire more people to have just that well you've certainly inspired me so you you've got one more fan the object yeah. <laughs> thank you well, I thank truly you so much it. we're going to leave it for there thank you once again judy lynn craven bye